die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Getting a life. Hello everyone and welcome to the One Up Culture Cast, your source of knowledge for leveling up in the world of popular culture. My name is Trent and with me is my co-host Jarrah. Hey guys, so this week we are doing a spoiler talk review of the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, two weeks ago we did do another culture cast on the trailers. And earlier this week, Trent released a spoiler free review of the movie. So I would suggest going and checking that one out. So before we move on, I would also like to point out that we do need to issue a spoiler warning for this one. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie already, we would suggest, you know, before you click out, going seeing this movie. It is a fantastic It's movie. a good movie. That's yeah. our spoiler-free review of it uh, for the Culture Cast. And now we're going to get into our spoiler talk version of the movie. So We ruin everything. Yeah, you've been warned. If you don't click out now and you still want to see the movie, you're an idiot. Not that you're an idiot for listening to us. Like, I understand why you'd want to stick around and listen. Why is it that every week you insult our listeners and tell them to stop listening to our podcast? Because I'm insecure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Me too. Um, <laughs> but please keep listening to us. Yeah, and come back and listen if you haven't already seen the movie. Yeah. Please. Please. <laughs> so, uh, the other thing is that we actually saw this movie separately. So mm. We're not that good of friends that we yeah. go to see movies together. Yeah, we just pretend that we are. But uh, yeah, we saw this separately. So this is the first time we are kind of getting together and talking about our thoughts on this. So and you've got a bit of an advantage because I did a whole review on it on the One Up Culture page that you've had the opportunity to read. So you know what I'm going to read. What you write? Oh well, that's fair uh, enough. Then I mean, um, yes, I do. Yeah, okay. Actually, I'd forgotten about that. I was about to say that. Uh, so I don't know if we're going to clash or agree on a lot of things. Yeah, well, one of us already knows, which is me. I know if we're going to agree or disagree. Because I, mean, I know we, your thoughts. We both did say that this is a good movie just beforehand. But, I mean, there are specifics that, you know, maybe we differ on. We have sort of slightly different tastes. Mine's far more refined. Um, <laughs> yeah, alrighty. Uh, that's what he thinks. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to our thoughts. So... How about we start with just general thought when you left the when you left the theater? What were your thoughts? On yeah, well, I mean, for those of for those of the audience and you who listened to our sort of preview episode or the trailer review episode, as you put it, um, sort of knew that there was my big concern about this movie was it sort of becoming just another MCU movie. Um, I was sort of worried oh, it's going to end up like Thor and Captain America, where it, I enjoy it in the cinema and then I forget about it and don't give a damn. Thankfully, like as soon as I the credits were rolling for this Doctor Strange movie, and straight away I was kind of like, I want to watch this movie again, and that's unusual for an MCU movie for me to do that. And I'm, for me, that's the, the biggest sort of praise I can give it that I want to see it again straight away. I would go to the cinemas and see it again. Yeah, that is massive praise, uh, especially as you say. If you listen to our podcast uh, two weeks ago, where we actually went over a list of how unrewatchable these Marvel movies are to us, you know, there uh, are a lot of, of course. fans who you know live and die by the Marvel yeah. movies. Um, and also, you, you said you were worried that it was going to be uh, very much like the MCU movies in yeah. general, uh, and a specific case of that that uh, we were both kind of worried about was that line in the uh, in the trailer where uh, Cassilius just kind of makes the Doctor Strange joke about it. We thought that he was going to end up Mr. being... Mr. Doctor Strange? It is. 
Yeah. Who am I to judge? Yeah. Um, which came off better in the movie than it did in the trailer. In the trailer, maybe because it was just by itself, it didn't work. Uh, you actually felt like it was a different take. Yeah, look, I'm not sure if it is. Again, like, I've only seen the movie once and I don't have access to it because I don't pirate movies. But it felt like it in that context. Yeah, it, it sounded yeah. slightly... Maybe it was delivered slightly differently. And again, as you kind of mentioned, context is a big part. Like, the context for it in the trailer was literally him there and it felt like the comedic punchline. In the context of the movie actually watching it, it felt more like, you know, a natural kind of confusion. And it was still funny, but it made a bit more sense and it didn't drag Casillas into... Marvel villain humor, which Ultron is, Loki, and, yeah, and that was the other thing. It, that was it. Literally, that was the only line that even slightly resembled any of those other guys. Yeah. Um. And before I get too far ahead, and, and everyone starts thinking I am kind of praising Cassilius as as a villain, I had some serious problems with this villain, uh, oh. and and not with him. Uh, oddly enough, I think. If someone else had played this character apart from uh, Mads Mikkelsen, it could have been a really boring character. He brought a little bit of life to it. But as far as the writing of this character, I kind of found him weak, which I'll go over more specifically after we go after this this opening scene of mm-hmm. the, the film. Because in the opening scene, uh, this I will give them, is the only point where he is billed to be the big bad guy of this film. So the opening scene of this film starts off in kind of a library, quite old, ancient, and uh, we have the librarian. We, we know later on that he is the librarian and he's kind of pondering around. And we see the first of the magic that we get throughout this film, uh, portals, which become quite important. They're kind of yellow, uh, orange, sorry, orange circles. No blue circles. No blue circles. No. And they just kind of go through them as as a portal to get from place to place. And we have some followers of Cassilius that come in and tie him up with some rope around the hands. Magic. It's all magic. Yeah, everything. There's, it's all magical. And then a pot skips underneath and Cassilius comes out and cuts the guy's head off and takes the pages out of a, a forbidden book and disappears. Welcome to the movie. Welcome Decapitation to the movie. within two, three minutes. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean at this, this opening scene. I am... All down for Cecilius as the bad guy. Uh, and another interesting thing to note is that at this point, he doesn't have the black eyes, mm. um, he, which we saw in the trailers, kind of the raccoon burnt look around, around his eye sockets. Yeah, he just has quite a normal look about him. And he starts to get chased by a, a hooded figure in orange, who we as an audience, having watched the trailers, already know who this is. Um, it's the Ancient One. But we, we don't get to see the Ancient One's face. And I think if you hadn't seen the trailers, you may actually be thinking like oh is this a man or is this a woman because it's not really said i thought that it was pretty obvious because at the end of this whole chasing ancient one takes hood off and you see the back of her head we know that it's a female and and i felt it was pretty obvious that it was a female so i'm not sure if that's what they were going for there or if they were literally just covering the face for the later on gag because it didn't really feel like they were trying to convince us that the ancient one was a no I, I mean you, you sort of look at it I, I feel like you know she still had a fairly feminine figure even though she's wearing you know sort of fairly yeah he- it was, heavy it was less hiding gender look- and more hiding identity yeah. um, in, in that um, and the other the other thing which was a question we had was how they were going to handle the bending and, mm. and crushing of, of buildings uh, and they do this with uh, an area called the, the mirror realm um, which in this opening scene we don't get told about this we so just say it we are still in this you know kind of wondering how they're going to get around killing so many random people um, we do see because Elias runs into a mirror everything's kind of reflected and things get weird um, things start going on their side and flipping and eventually Cassilius opens up a little portal and slides down and brings some of his followers with him 
gets away. And that's kind of how they get around the whole destruction of people and problems. Yeah, they, they introduce later that the mirror world kind of protects the citizens and the world around them. And so anything that happens within the mirror world doesn't affect the world outside of that. I mean, obviously you're watching the movie for the first time. That's not explained to you. And I was watching it and sort of trying to make sense of like, why aren't these people reacting to what's going on? There's a yeah. massive like world bending things going on and sort of mirrors literally sort of appearing. And there just weren't many people around. It raised all those reacting. questions again. And at the time I was like, huh. And then as soon as they explained it, and you know, fair play to Marvel, you know, you, I've got no issue with them explaining it later at work or in that context. It was just me being a worried person uh, going in and seeing that straight away. I'm like, oh, here we go. Oh, I had the same thoughts. Yeah, uh, I it, yeah, raised all those questions. As soon as they explained it, it's like, ah, oh, cool, good cop-out excuse. And I say that in a good way. Yeah, it is a bit of a cop-out way to do all this fantastical, you know, world-bending stuff, all crazy effects and not risk any civilians. It's a very Marvel way of doing it, but it makes sense. And we're dealing in a world of mysticism and magic. And if you can use that way and it makes sense and it doesn't sort of break that illusion of suspension of disbelief, good work, Marvel. And that's what this movie's all about, suspension of disbelief. It explains how we haven't come across any of this mysticism up to this point. I mean, yeah. we've had some kind of magic and stuff interweaved here and there, but for the most part, you know, we had no idea any of this existed. And that kind of explains why we don't know about it. Yeah, and point. one of the main plot points of this movie is the whole fact that uh, Caecilius now has the power when he steals the book at the start. He potentially has the power to use this kind of stuff outside of the mirror realm. That was sort of the drama that was escalating at the start. So it kind of gives you that, oh, if this stuff could happen in the real world, all this, these concerns that I had, the thousands and millions of people who could potentially die in the, the wanton destruction of, you know, cities, it's a problem we need to stop this so yeah no that was actually handled really well it was this opening scene the stealing the decapitation and then the chase brings so many questions up it, mm. and it doesn't answer a single one no. it is just a question filled action packed mm. kind of five to ten minutes yeah. of get excited we'll explain this later yeah um and then instantly instead of explaining any of that they just go to a completely different scene and show us a doctor mm. and it is dr strange oddly enough dr stephen strange and uh, this is where we kind of get our introduction into him as a doctor at the start of at the start of the film. I really liked Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of Doctor Stephen Strange, both pre-magic and post-magic. And I think what they did really well was handled his kind of genius here, because he is a bit of an arrogant prick all through the movie, and it's not it's a gradual transformation as he be- begins to become a little bit more selfless, a little bit more humble, a little bit more caring. He's an arrogant jerk at the start, and there's not some magic moment where he's like oh, how wrong I've been, I need to change my ways. It's a gradual process, and that's something that's not always done. And congratulations on handling that as well as they did. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was very good. I mean, we knew where this was going from the beginning. They still, yeah, still kind of threw us a few few curveballs in this. Uh, so yeah, we've got a really arrogant, he's a neurosurgeon, and uh, and we learn a few things about him in this first thing. Uh, first of all, yeah, he's, he's pretty, pretty arrogant, yeah. <laughs> which is something throughout the entire film. Uh, he also only takes... Uh, patients that he know he can cure yeah. uh, he has a, a real kind of fear of failure which is uh, very important throughout this entire film and it, and it gets really uh, reiterated here and later on when he's driving in the car but yeah at the beginning he's kind of refusing different things and he doesn't want to go into the ER as he is being asked to by an ex-girlfriend of his uh, Dr. Christine Palmer and so at the start of this film she goes and she grabs him and, and you know needs his help and uh, we see a little bit of 
maybe a rivalry between he and, and, and another doctor. Yeah, it was uh, him and Nicodemus West was sort of the rival surgeon. Who, yeah. They have a bit of a back and forth, and you can tell there's a bit of tension going on there, and naturally, because Stephen Strange is the main character, we kind of root for him, but at the same time, he doesn't make it easy to root for no, because he really is doesn't. so arrogant. And, and I mean, that sort of... I, I mentioned in my uh, spoiler-free review uh, that I wrote, sort of walks that line between lovable and hateable so well because if you just pushed one of those sides a little further, it would have almost become too far. Yeah, we see him, all of them in the in the room, Dr. Palmer, Dr. West, Dr. Strange, and he turns off the automated uh, guidance system for this surgery and everyone's like, oh, you can't do that. You know, this you need to have such steady hands. Look, and your targeting system has turned down. Oh, yeah, he had, had to make a Star Wars oh, reference. Steve. So he did. He uses the force and does it perfectly and everyone is in disbelief and it's all amazing. Uh, and he tells Dr. West to cover his watch because it's distracting, you know, the, the ticking. And basically this whole scene is just to show us how great a surgeon he is mm. uh, and how arrogant he is and selfish. Uh, he gets asked to save people and he's very proud of the amount of people that he has saved but yeah he does it for the fame so yeah in the next scene we see him driving and this is an important one and uh, I'll, I'll let you go over the most important part of this but uh, just before that we do see him driving and we get another reiteration of uh, his hatred of loss mm. of losing he's going through surgeries pot- potential surgeries and uh, you know, flicking through them and asking, you know, what have you got for me? And I'm not quite sure who he's talking to actually, but it's just like a receptionist with different uh, procedures. She's going through procedures, and he's saying, oh, it's that's not interesting enough, or that's a waste of my talents, or some of them are just a very low success rate. And we see that yeah, he doesn't take on patients that there's a chance he could lose. He has a 100% success rate for a reason, and then he goes to overtake a truck, another car actually, I think it was. And uh, what happens, buddy? It's such a nice Lamborghini. Yeah, it's it really nice, turns yeah. nicely in left and then right. And, and it just kind of flows along the road. And, and flows off the road and you know, down the hill and the mountain and into some trees and some electric stuff and ends up in a pool of water. He's not in such good nick. But the Lamborghini was really nice before the incident. It was really nice just before that. Yeah, and uh, uh, kudos to Marvel at the end of the credits here because, of course, you're staying at the end of the movie past the credits because it's a Marvel movie and the people who leave seriously I, I still see people leaving Marvel movies like not only like, do like, you not know have you not been told yeah I mean come on guys we're in phase 3 now and not only that they're leaving after the first after credits yeah. scene like I made that mistake once and yeah you've got to stay now till the credits finish the lights go up and basically stay in your chair for about 5 minutes after that until the cinema people come up and say move we need to clean this place because there's probably still going to be a Marvel scene at the end Five minutes after the whole yeah. movie's finished. They do that. Yeah. Also, yeah, my local cinema will hate me for suggesting you do that. <laughs> we already do, so it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter I feel so, much. so f- sorry for them. Like, the 3D screening to this movie yeah. is at 9.30, so you're not getting out of there till past 11.30. They're, like, turning on the lights, like, come on, guys. Yeah, just... <laughs> generally, after a movie, everyone gets out after the credits, but you've got another five minutes of waiting before you can clean the place because you've got all the Marvel superhero comic fanboys sitting around because they know there's one final scene. And even DC movies, when they don't put in a final scene, but it's a comic book movie, so, so maybe, maybe they, they will. Yeah. Ah, oh, so many people got disappointed in Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah. I was there waiting as well, and it was like, it's audible, oh, uh, when it just finished like a normal movie. Yeah. yeah. At the end of this one, they had a nice little drive-safe message. Yeah, sure. that, that, that was my point, wasn't it? I did, did actually... Yeah, you rambled off, that. but I helped you there. Thank you. Yeah, I went off the road just like Doctor Strange. Ah, and so, oddly enough, the first pun of this was not a strange pun. There we go. I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah what I meant. you just ruined your whole point there. 
Anyway, Doctor, Doctor Strange is maimed in a car accident, and more importantly, his hands are knackered. And this was something I liked. Instead of going for uh, like an overly brutal scene where we you know, see his hands kind of get mangled, we don't see what happens to his hands. We literally see him holding the wheel, and then his hands and the wheel go through the dashboard, and we see that obviously his hands are inside the car. You know, this is some pretty brutal stuff. That's not how you drive. That's not how you drive. No, and uh, so he wakes up in. A hospital bed you know yeah. there's kind of a little bit of a montage of you know everyone's rushing and he kind of half opens his eyes and you see things from his point of view being rushed around and uh and there's a, there's another line here when he wakes up that was so very obvious and saw a mile away but they kind of had to put it in there because it was so relevant and it was when he wakes up and he's kind of got his hands uh, kind of held out in front of him with pins and needles and, and different things sticking out of it and some cuts from surgery and whatnot so they've, they've reattached That's all the tendons cuts. yeah there's so many cuts uh, and his hands are, are like constantly shaking dr palmer says you know like, we did the best we could the, no one could have done any better and uh, there was almost an audible gasp from my chair I, I i was just like he's going to say it. he's going to and then he turns around and he goes i could have done better and i was like yeah they kind of had to put that in there but this works really well for like they touch on this for about the next five minutes and it's actually done really well because you've got such this arrogant guy who feels that he could do everything that they're trying to do he feels he could fix his own hands but he's incapable because he doesn't have the physical ability to do it anymore before this he regards himself as the best surgeon yeah. in the world he is regarded as the best surgeon and it kind of asks the question well then what happens when the best goes you know needs a surgeon um, and and just that tortured genius, which they play off really well. And we sort of see he's constantly trying to get different procedures that don't work. And he's literally telling people, this is what you're meant to do. And other surgeons are going, I'm not touching this and whatnot. It was really well done because you feel for him. And you feel his pain. You feel his yeah. desperation to get and this And a fixed. lot of this kind of tortured genius trope that we do see a bit. You know, we see this kind of, It's not the first time a movie's done this kind of thing. I kind of not switch out a bit, but it's like, oh, yeah, I get what they're doing. Great, whatever. This one I did actually kind of... I was already invested in him and I understood both points of view. I already built him up as this arrogant person. So, yeah, you believe that he could fix it. But you also understand why he's so aggressive towards the other people because it's in his personality. Yeah, and he's kind of lost because like this was what he had based his life around. He based his life around being a renowned surgeon, being rich and well-off. And uh, that's something else we, we find out that he's, you know, he's always spent money as quickly as he could earn it. And now he's spending money he hasn't got. So he spent like all of his fortune on trying to fix his hands. Uh, and, and we see in, uh, he has a little physiotherapy session with, uh, with a doctor and gets annoyed at this guy and says, you know, this is useless. Have you ever seen someone with this much nerve damage actually recover? And the guy says, well, actually, yeah, I have. And the Doctor Strange like, I don't believe you. And, and tells him a story about a guy who broke his back and then recovered. Doctor Strange says, well, show me the, you know, show me these medical records. And, and the physiotherapist just goes, if it's going to prove you wrong, I certainly will. And so he shows him. And we find out uh, about this guy who I can't remember the name of. Jonathan Pagborn. Thank you so much. This is why I have Trent around. He, he knows these, these little bits of information that I should know, but don't. I know how to use Wikipedia. Yeah, you know, you bothered to use Wikipedia before this podcast and actually learn what we're talking about. Yeah. I just I just talk. Just kind of, it's like, a hard job for you. I yeah, know. I know. It's, um, it's pretty difficult. But yeah, so anyways, he goes to visit Jonathan Pagborn at the basketball court. Bonus points for us. Yeah, we enjoy that. Yeah, yeah and that, that's basically what leads him on his journey to Kathmandu. And so he sort of travels there because he was told by John that, you know, that's where he got healed. And so he goes over there sort of expecting some, you know, top-notch medical stuff. He finds... 
And this is where I should have done the research. I can't remember the actual name of the place. Do you remember the name of the place? Not Kathmandu, but like the... Oh, no. No, not at all. Yeah. So the magical place, um, we'll call it. Uh, He's trying to find it and he comes across a a certain Chitwell Earfor who's playing Calmordo, who, of course, comic fans know is quite synonymous with Doctor Strange in a lot of ways. And was handled a lot better through this film than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. uh, Most definitely. For for those that that do know, Calmordo has a... He's a bit of a struggle uh, during this time of his life. Uh, this is kind of leading up to where he starts to question everything, and we, and we kind of see that through through this. At the very beginning, Carl is very loyal to the Ancient One. He's very loyal to this order and um, really believes in, in what they're doing here. Um, and so th- this is the, the Carl that we, we originally meet and uh, originally takes Strange to the place yeah. after uh, Doctor Strange kind of gets starts to get mugged and goes to punch the guy because he's trying to take a watch, which is a really nice symbol through this film that I didn't really pick up on until the very end. And I realised that this watch was super important to him and it's engraved on the back. And it's a representation of time. Mm. It's it stopped at the time when he had his accident and he's still got that and it's still set to that time. And time is a very important thing throughout this this film. And I didn't realise that until that, that that connection until the end of the film when that watch started to pop up a few more times so yeah he's very protective of this watch and tries to punch a guy and hurts his hand because his hands are messed up still Carmorto comes and, and saves him yeah brings him to the ancient one and I, I mean we get the if I think everyone knew it was coming he goes to talk to someone and it's a typical tribe oh yeah thank you for letting me in and he's talking to some random bearded guy and you know, of course Tilda Swinton comes up and goes hey you're welcome. I am the ancient one. Yeah. Shock horror. Female. Ah. Oh. And this is what I mean. At the start, when they had the, they took off the hood, and you could see the back of her head. Yeah, it was so obviously a woman. And if you've seen any of the trailers, you know it was a woman. Like it was. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was meant to kind of be. I no. think it was. Probably for the sake of doing a reveal that's not really a reveal, but it makes sense within the, the narrative of it all, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's fair. But, but um, the, the sort of this initial the training sort of montage and portion that we go through for really the next 20 minutes or so, it's fun. Like, especially because this is an action movie and is an origin movie. You're actually, under the just before we got to the, the montage, there was one other bit I did enjoy, which is actually where she kind of convinces him that this stuff is real that all of the because obviously he gets in there and he's kind of very skeptical of spiritualism and stuff and uh eventually she gets him to believe that this is real you know that that magic is real quite a feat in itself for her to do that with dr strange and then he kind of says oh you have to teach me you have to teach me and she says no kicks him out he sits at the door and uh we kind of see his persistence apparently sits out there for like five hours until she eventually you know he comes back in and, and they decide to train him um, sorry, and then then we got into the but when they open the door and he just kind of falls in, um, that was the only time when the cinema when I was watching it laughed, and I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I had a few moments where sort of the the crowd laughed at the screening I was at. What what I liked about I guess this movie in general with the way it handled humor was it was interlaced through, and there was a couple of characters who kind of provided a bit of comic relief, but it never overwhelmed the movie. It wasn't trying to be a comedy action; it was just an action movie which had elements of comedy to kind of keep it light enough, but it never sort of overwhelmed it and made because I mean the story is quite dire at times, and it's quite an important. I guess story and you don't want to be mucking around with what's actually happening and they never let the humour overtake that which is something that Marvel sometimes suffer from a bit they sacrifice the narrative for a couple of laughs and I don't think they really did in this movie which was you know full credit to them yeah Um, no thank you very much for not sacrificing that 
Yeah, and cheap laughs. Th- I, think I think the, the biggest, biggest laugh that the audience sort of gave at my screening was uh, Benedict Wong as Wong uh, dancing along to Single Ladies by Beyonce. That's where I was laughing, but yeah. like, no one in my theatre found that or the very end where Wong started laughing. And I found both of those hilarious. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm the only one that finds that funny. I don't know if I just had a very poised a very crowd. DC crowd. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, back onto that said training the, Said the DC fan. Yeah, boy. the DC uh, fan. Uh, Benedict Wong was really well handled too. I thought he'd be fairly inconsequential. Yeah. I knew he had a bit of a sidekick role, but I kind of thought he'd just be there to kind of Asian it up a bit. <laughs> Yeah, um, but, but he he wasn't at all like he provided good comic relief that worked really well because Benedict Wong had really good timing, and he bounced really well with Benedict Cumberbatch. I actually liked how he played it very straight. Mm. Um, he was the straight man to Doctor Strange's. Yeah, he, he was making the jokes to Wong, and Wong was having no part of it. Yeah. Uh, and and I thought that worked really well, and it didn't take up too much of the film. Yeah, it um, was there. It provided sort of backstory and sort of characterization for Wong without you know taking forever to try and make the point and that's something which these movies can do really well it's just in a line or two we mentioned it with firefly all you need is a couple one or two good lines to establish a character yeah and they did that with wong um and and i mean wong is an important character Mm. we find out uh, for those of you who (laughs) we've just started talking about this character that hasn't existed yet uh he's the new librarian after the old one got his head chopped off yep we kind of get that wong's tough Mm. Um, he's you know he says like that's not going to happen while I'm the librarian and you know, no one's going to get past me, which is kind of funny later on in the movie because it happens because it happens uh, and Doctor Strange does it in a very humorous way, but uh, he's not up to that skill level yet. So the very beginning we kind of see Doctor Strange taking out from Wong and reading very quickly because he has a photographic memory. That's how he became a neurosurgeon. He's good at studying and he's good at apparently translating things and reading them. So. Uh, yeah, Wong's quite impressed and, and ends up telling him more about the, the library and tells him about the book Cassilius stole some pages from. The the Ancient One's kind of private collection. However, no knowledge is banned within the place that we don't remember the name of. However, practices are outlawed. Uh, so, yeah, anyone can read those books. However, Just don't do them. Performing, yeah, you, you can't do. Um, so Doctor Strange does it. Yeah, so he obviously he reads, yeah. reads those books. And causes some mayhem and chaos. So, yeah, we start to see his improvement and, uh, and yeah, he eventually finds a, a little talisman. We don't, we don't know the importance of this yet, but it, it belonged to the uh, the original wizard, basically. I mean, it's the eye. Agamato, Agamato. Ah, that was it? Agamato, yeah. yes, thank you. <laughs> it is from the comics, so yeah. it kind of helps. <laughs> it, took, it took a while to, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, we see it kind of has the ability to turn back and push forward time. And, turn back uh, don't time. start sharing this. Share, share. But uh, yeah, so he uses it with an apple and stuff. To, you know, we see the apple being bit and chomped away and then brought back to full and, and uh, that's it. And, you know, we kind of get that. And then he does it with the page from the book and, and brings back the pages that uh, were ripped out and uh, reads that ritual and kind of learns a little something about the, uh, the ancient one that uh, is, is quite important. And we learn more about uh, Cassilius at this stage as well and his motives. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess we're sort of talking a bit about Cassilius. You mentioned you weren't a big fan of how he was handled in a lot of ways. I actually quite like the character. So do you want to kind of explain what it was about him that you weren't that high on? Yeah, um, and it's very simple. It's uh, that he wasn't the bad guy of this film, which kind of was what annoyed me. He's, he's been booked for me as the bad guy, and then we find out very early on 
that he's a puppet. Uh, he's being used by like a dark overlord character called uh, Dormammu. He, basically, he rules the, the, the dark realm uh, and he's eater of worlds. Bray Wyatt, move over. Uh, if you get that, then you spend way too much time watching wrestling like us. And but you don't uh, have to live in fear. No, not, not that as well. Uh, so, yeah, we, early on we find out that uh, Cassilius is working for Dormammu uh, and, and he kind of believes that uh, he's going to give him immortality. And, and I just felt from the very beginning this was a very Thanos situation wherein why do I care about the henchman when he's not the threat uh, and he's not the threat. And then that was the second bit that um, it's bi- Dormammu's built up to be a threat through this whole film, super powerful you know, no one can stand up to him. And then Doctor Strange figures out how to beat this guy in, in literally a second uh, and does so, uh, which was the other thing. Uh, and then that said, I didn't like how quickly he came to figure out how to beat Dormammu. I loved how he beat him. Yeah. Uh, and and it, uh, yeah, it, it comes back around to, you know, Doctor Strange overcoming his fear of failure and, and kind of having to embrace... Failing again and again yeah, and again Yeah, literally and again embracing and again. failure to win in a sense mm. uh, so I, yeah, I loved how he did it I just didn't like that it wasn't an effort it wasn't a struggle of him for him to figure that out at all it was literally seconds and he's like alright oh, I'm the master of time so you know nothing can, can bother me I, um, I didn't really notice that in the movie like you mentioned now it's kind of, oh yeah he did kind of figure out how to defeat a massive entity quite quickly and all it took was one sort of word to kind of trigger it I didn't admittedly I didn't notice that in the movie um, but yeah that's a fair point yeah I just felt um, that yeah he figured out how to be, beat the big bad guy a little bit too quickly yeah. <laughs> I, I as far as Casillas goes I actually quite like the character and, and I get where you're sort of coming from with him not really being the big bad but I don't really mind that in some circumstances. And I think in this case, it makes a lot of sense because, yeah, Caecilius, the whole point is he actually has a purpose and a reason. Like, he is kind of that villain with, um, yeah, he's not just doing it for lols kind of thing. He's not just doing it because he's a villain and he has to take over the world. He's doing it because in his mind, this is what he needs to do to save Earth, to sort of save himself and to give him that immortality. And, okay, yeah, of course, you know, Dormammu's not going to give it to him. But you can kind of believe that he would be convinced that it's possible. Oh, it's, it's very much believable that his, uh, yeah, he, his motivations are, are very believable. Uh, it's just, yeah, he's, he's being used and you yeah. know it. Uh, it comes down to whether you sort of like that kind of switcheroo thing, which you, the more you think about it, there's a lot of superhero movies that have been doing it. Like we were just briefly, we were talking before we started recording, and it's kind of yeah. Well, they did it with Bane and Talia Al Ghul in Dark Knight yeah. Rises. And, and then I, spoiler, yeah. Uh, uh, and and yeah, when we mentioned that, it made me think that in yeah in Batman Rises, I I liked that because it was a twist. Uh, it was never a twist in this film. It was kind of just blurted out that he was working for Dormammu. It was never a big twist. And it was so early in the film um, for this this overlord, we didn't get to see. And then the final reveal wasn't a reveal. We don't actually get to see Dormammu, um, which we will speak of. And I also like the kind of mimicking that he does at the end. It's probably going to lead up to a much better sequel, which I think this is going to, to get. Um, and in in that sense, I think it, it worked quite well. Yeah. But yeah, for this one, it, com- it comes down to whether you sort of prefer the twist or the foreshadowing. Mm. And uh, if you look at it as a sense of foreshadowing, where you know you, you're not sort of told during the duration of the movie. Obviously, trailers are different. But you're watching the movie and you're never really convinced that Casillas is the big bad. And so it's always foreshadowing to the person he's working to try and please. 
Um, whereas with Dark Knight Rises, the whole point was, wait, what? Bane's not the big bad? Mm. So if you like that sort of form of storytelling, then naturally I think you're going to prefer how Dark Knight Rises handle it. If you prefer a bit of foreshadowing, obviously I think you're going to prefer how Doctor Strange handles it. That was that. That's the main problem I have, though. Yeah. I found no foreshadowing. I found they just blurted it out. Well, it, it's... Okay, so it's not kind of like, oh, yes, I might be working for someone... But it, it doesn't try and toy with your expectations. No, it does not. Um, so I think that's sort of where it worked out quite well. And I, again, I was coming in expecting Case Sealers to maybe suffer from a bit of MCU villain syndrome where he was just going to be kind of cracking unnecessary jokes and not really so having... so glad a, they didn't do that. And not really having a purpose outside of, I want to take over the world because I'm a bad guy. <laughs> they didn't do that with Case Sealers. And I, he's still not going to be a super memorable villain. Like, he's not going to be a Loki. He's not going to be a Heath Ledger Joker or anything. But he's a villain that I can go, you know, I want to watch that movie again because I actually don't mind him. I'm going to remember his name, unlike Malachi or whatever it was from uh, Thor Dark Rise. Not Dark Rises. Dark World. Dark World. You don't remember the name of the film, let alone yeah. the bad and, and from it. Yeah, Red Skull. The only reason I remember Red Skull from the first movie is because Red Skull is one of Captain America's big bads. only reason I remember Ronan, the accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy, is because he kind of has one or two moments. But all those villains are utterly forgettable. Casey oh, Lewis, yeah. I feel like, has a little bit going for him, enough to maybe save him as a villain in that regard. So, yeah, I, I liked him as a villain. I can kind of get why you weren't totally on board with him. But... It was actually much like Ronan. Um, I, I didn't enjoy him for the very same reason um, that I felt like Thanos was the bad guy. Like, yeah. why are we, why are we um, you know, dancing around this? Why don't we just have Thanos as the bad guy? Um, but, you know, it, it works. It's how the, it's, it is how Thanos works. Mm. It is how Dormammu works. So, you know, why change it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, as we sort of mentioned, well, I guess we'll talk about Dormammu a bit more since we're sort of on the topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, for those who don't realise, uh, Dormammu was actually CGI'd by Benedict Cumberbatch. And the whole point of it is that, you know, sort of Jareth alluded to, he's mimicking Strange's form. He doesn't, that's not his form. That's not what he's shaped to be in sort of the real world kind of thing. But he's sort of, putting on that appearance and stuff. So it was kind of a cool little fact that, you know, Cumberbatch sort of played both roles in that sort of context. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, we kind of led that uh, Dormammu, he kind of has a bit of a psychic thing. He's able to read people uh, Mm. and kind of tap into what scares them. Basically, he's really good at reading people. So it kind of works that he's imitating someone. You know, you're fighting with yourself and you're inner demons, but, you know, it's physically created into an inner outer demon <laughs> i thought he was also one of probably the best handled uh demonic cloud formation of all of these kind of superhero movies because we had kind of uh galactus in silver surfer fantastic four which was crap we had uh parallax from green lantern which was crap and when i realized where they were going with this one i'm like oh no not again like they don't know how to do this in movies I was impressed with how they handled it. Yeah, they yeah. gave him personality, they gave him character, they made him interesting, they made him genuinely challenging. Um, even though, yeah, Strange figured out how to beat him way too quickly. That's but you're watching it kind of going, oh, how is he going to do this? Yeah, he figured it out like way too quickly, mm. but uh, the, the solution was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we will get to that, because we do need to explain a little something before we get to that, and that is pretty much where this film ends. So let's not finish it. Super early. Yeah. So before that, we, we have uh, three sanctuaries around the world that uh, are kind of connected. And these are very important. So we've got one in Hong Kong, which uh, is being kind of led by Master Wong. Uh, we've got one in New York. And uh, we have one in London. Uh, London falls quickly. London falls so quickly. It, it's gone uh, yeah. within the first kind of quarter of the movie. And then probably about halfway through the movie, we lose New York. Uh, and, and then that's where we have the, the first real 
uh, face off between mm. b- sorry between Cassilius and Doctor Strange, and we get that line where we thought that was going to be the Mr. way that we're going Doctor to, Strange. Uh, who, who am I to judge? Uh. And uh, and this is kind of where we we hit that mid point kind of conflicts like you know the, the overcome what does what does Doctor Strange have to overcome in this film uh, and apart from himself and his own beliefs and, and you know being locked in science there, there's yeah there's this he's inexperienced as well uh, and, and we really see him just get beaten up in this mm. scene uh, he doesn't really do anything of any use and this was the weakest action scene of the movie for sure um, and I, I, I for the most part I enjoyed the action in Doctor Strange but there was some directorial and sort of photographic decisions made and it shines a lot in this particular scene um, some of the other scenes they do it really well but what I hated about the action here and again like I'm a stickler for good fight choreography and fight scene sort of filming they're way too close to the action like they're right up in everyone's face and that would be okay if it was kind of like a straight fist fight or something but when you're using so much magic and so much is happening on screen and the characters themselves are moving a lot like they're going from one end of the room to the other in an instant and when the camera's so close on a certain character a you can't really make full sense of what's going on it's just kind of chaos and uh, visual noise and whatever and you don't get any of the effects like it's like oh something's happening something's happening something just exploded i don't know what yeah and oh strangers now over here and whatnot when you see some of the action in this movie and they're they're not afraid to sort of push back and sort of show everything going on and really take in the, the effects of it because the effects were good they didn't need to hide the effects in this movie but they kind of did in this particular sort of middle scene um i was really disappointed in that respect it was still okay so many action scenes where you can tell they're not that sort of accomplished they don't really know what they're doing compared to the true fight choreography scene again you go to a movie like uh the radiology which okay yes whenever i talk about fight scenes I always go to the raid but they're not afraid to sort of push the camera back to kind of what you'd expect in like a Street Fighter video game. You know, sort of that gives you enough uh, room to see everything going on and they're not cutting away. So it's up to the actors and the choreography and the photography to make it look real. And when it's done right, it looks brilliant. Yet here, it's just kind of hiding. It's like, yeah, we don't know how to do this properly, so we're just going to make everything look chaotic and, you know, oh, it's in the motion, the thing. So. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. There are two things in this entire fight scene that I enjoyed. Uh, and the first one is a doorway. It's kind of a window um, that Doctor Strange goes up and presses, and it changes the scenery, uh, and it's actually just kind of like a really quick portal. And, and I enjoyed that, and it got used well. Mm. Uh, he actually disposes of a few of uh, Cassilius's henchmen by sending them off to one in the desert and one out in the... and it didn't make them look bad yeah no. they're all far more sort of experienced and trained and it's kind of like well how are they going to beat them yeah yeah it smarts them yeah that's the way you do it and they handled that quite well yeah yeah and the other thing and probably my biggest surprise and favorite part of this movie the cape uh so <laughs> earlier we we find out we have a little scene with carl Mordo and uh and dr strange where he's Doctor Strange is, is getting better and better and we quickly see this montage time uh, and we see him using portals to grab books from behind Wong's back, which we were talking about earlier. And we find about, out about artifacts. So Kamado's got these boots that kind of help him you know, jump around and he's got a staff, it's a weapon. And the thing is the artifacts kind of choose the wizard, much like in Harry Potter where the wands choose their owners. Uh, and that was the first thing I thought of. The very first thing yeah. I thought of. Like, ooh, they choose their wizards. I'm like, great. Yeah, we find out what, what Doctor Strange's is, and it is the and it's the easiest thing to remember. It's, it's much better than the Eye of Agamatu. 
Uh, it's, it's literally the cloak of levitation. Yeah. How easy is that to remember? Uh, and it has attitude. And the first thing that I thought of was Aladdin's carpet from the mm. Disney movie. Yeah, I, I um, see where that sort of... Yeah, it, it is. it has a life of its own. It wraps itself around and it saves Doctor Strange's life so many times. Like I said, this was a really weak fight scene and a lot of it had to do with the cinematography. I also felt that it had to do with, uh, some of it anyway, the fact that one of them wasn't fighting. One of them was so inexperienced and flailing and getting absolutely destroyed that he was just getting thrown through a lot of stuff that there wasn't a lot of very good action for them to show, um, apart from the effects, which they were mm. too close and they, and they weren't showing us those effects. It nearly got a little too light-hearted for the circumstances. Uh, it kept kind of pushing the humour of the cape, trying to guide him around to the point where I think it kind of negated the tension in the movie a bit. It was funny, I did enjoy it, but I was watching it going, okay, yeah, now we're kind of crossing that line. Yeah, the cape saves his life like three different times and we're talking like blatant, someone's about to hit him and the cape just like pulls him out of the way Mm. and blocks it. Um, And there's a time where he's trying to grab a a, a axe to throw at Cassilius and the cape's like, no, we're going this way. Mm. We want to grab this weird trap thing. He throws it and uh, gets Cassilius kind of caught. And, and it, that's pretty cool as well, the way yeah. that, that he ends that. Um, wraps all around him and he ends up with his hands behind him, contract. But uh, one of the bad guys comes back and knocks Doctor Strange and knocks him out. Mm. And uh, and we end up getting uh, the first death in this movie comes up after this, where Doctor Strange kind of makes a portal. portal. Thank you. Makes a portal to his old hospital, which... We haven't seen him at this hospital for quite some time, and obviously either of the people there. So he makes a this kind of portal. Was it called a portal? Well, well, yeah, we're thinking of portals. <laughs> so he makes his way through and he ends up in a broom closet at the at the hospital, and he's quite injured. And he ends up going in, and he gets uh, Doctor Palmer to kind of fix him up. And uh, this is the first time that they've. And this is a good fight scene that yes. we see here. Uh, it's using sort of the mysticism. Um, he's in a sort of. A, what was the terminology that they used for uh, astro projection? That, that's the one, the astral kind of realm. Wherein, um, uh, so he's on the table and he kind of astro projects his form uh, outside of his body, which is uh, actually originally how he is shown, kind of forced to believe in in magic. Wherein the ancient one punches his soul out of his body, which is pretty cool. And uh, so he's kind of floating there and he scares the living daylights out of Doctor Palmer. And he's trying to tell him all what to Pretty do. Pretty much her role in this sort of part of the movie is just to constantly get freaked out by everything that's happening. I mean, we see this particular fight scene go on, and it's done quite well. Again, it's kind of toying around with the astral world and the real world as, you know, uh, Christine's trying to save his life. And eventually, you know, it's kind of worked out he's going to die. So she goes and sort of jumpstarts his heart um, with the medical jumpstarty thingies i'm a doctor you can a defibrillator so yeah so uh he she zaps him in the chest and he kind of notices that uh when he and this nemesis he's just a henchman we don't really find out who he is um when they're kind of interlocked and she does this it zaps the other guy uh so he zips back to his body and says turn it up and do it again and she's like i'm gonna kill you he's like no turn it up do it again runs off sorry flies off Grabs the guy, she zaps him, blows the guy up, and we get our first death. Mm. So, and, and I say first death because it is not the last. And well, second death. The yeah. decapitation guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, he lived. He totally lived through that. It's, it's just a flesh wound. Yeah. Um. So, so we see this guy die, and we zip back uh, to the real world, and uh, and this is where things kind of start to. We see some something in the ranks they're uh, they're kind of starting to fight so Doctor Strange has an issue with the Ancient One and that is that uh, 
just before this and during the fight, Cassilius has kind of drawn Doctor Strange's attention to the fact that uh, the Ancient One is immortal. And why is she immortal? How is she? Where is she getting these abilities? And, um, and Cassilius says, like, you know, you've read the same pages from that book that I read. You read the ritual. We as an audience still don't know what this is. We get a scene with, with Karl Mordo and the Ancient One and Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange says, like, I know why you are immortal. Yeah. You were drawing your power from the Dark Realm. And Kamada's like, well, that's that's impossible. And we see his loyalty at this point, where he is very loyal to the ancient He's one. He's a lawful good character. He really is. He really is. That's a great way of putting it, uh, especially for any of our dorky listeners out there. So all of our listeners. Uh, just I just insulted all our listeners. It's yeah. not just you. No, no I'm not. Great. I'm not the only prick on this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we knew I was. You're the Christian one that's supposed to be you know, like the good role model. Like mums are supposed to want their daughters to date you. They're supposed to stay Until away they from see you. Me. Ow! Self burn. Yeah. Let's let's get back to the movie before we completely make ourselves cry. Uh, so too Carl late. is very, too late. Too late. Is uh, very very loyal to the ancient one. Says this is impossible. And she doesn't say yes or no at this point. She just uh, kind She's of... thinking, oh crap, I've been found out. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, and and then this is the case. And, and we, we're going to move on a little bit here. Um, we get another attack on the New York Sanctum. Uh, and we get a very... I felt this was very strange. Uh, hmm. She actually... Uh, <laughs> I didn't even mean that one. So the Ancient One asks Dr. Stephen Strange to be the new master of... The, that York. sanctum, the mm. New York sanctum. He hasn't been, you know, practicing. Hasn't been studying for very long. How did he get to a master so quick? He says no. Which we Anakin Skywalker would be pissed. Yeah. Which we, as as a, a comic book fans, know that eventually he does take that that position yeah. in the New York sanctum. Um, it was just very interesting. He gets offered it during this movie. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. I mm. thought that maybe at the very end we might get a thing. Uh, saying that yeah, but halfway through she offers it and he says no mm. you know it's, it's not his thing um, I'm not ready I'm not ready which he is not and, and he doesn't want to kill people which, which is actually sort of an understated part of this movie but I think they also handled this really well yeah is he's steadfast against killing people whereas you've got Carl Mordor and the ancient one who's fine you know killing for the greater good yeah um, whereas he actually has quite an issue with when he, when he kills this because it's the first one he kills by his hand yeah um with this henchman uh, and he feels quite guilty about it mm. um, which yeah I understand up to this point he's been all about protecting life and, yeah. and what not even if it's through his own glory kind yeah. of thing, which you kind of get also get called out for yeah. during this part as well um, and another thing just like to you know, slip this in there his hands don't get fixed during this mm. movie which, yeah. was, which I actually really enjoyed which was kind of his focus going in which is fix my hands fix my hands and to the point that it becomes not important still shaking. you know he's yeah uh, and we find out that this other guy was using you know, mystical powers to, to walk uh, and that if Doctor Strange wanted to, he could have use of his hands. Mm. He could go back to his old life and he chooses not to, which kind of shows how he's grown throughout yeah, this and, and it shows the person who was kind of his inspiration is actually quite selfish. Because at the very beginning of this film, you know, he would have gone, yes, well, mm. I want to be a, a renowned surgeon again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I said, the, the, the Ancient One ends up dying and mm. slips right to that so we have uh, quite an emotional little scene where they're talking and, and she knows you know the end is coming and, and, and a partial and redeem for a character as well because she admits yeah i'm drawing on dark power but i was doing it for the right reasons yeah it was kind of explained in a way that you can 
you can look at it both ways. You can be like, oh, that makes sense, good on you, or but that's still wrong. And that, that sort of point becomes very important in the post-credits scene. Yes. Or even not just post-credits, but at the very end of the movie. Yeah, um, it does. Uh, and and also, this is the kind of big betrayal of uh, Carl Mordo, where in, you know, he's, he's given everything for the Ancient One, mm-hmm. and uh, she's drawing on these this dark power to, to live forever. You know, she's doing this ritual that she has said no one is allowed to do. This is a forbidden ritual. You know, as we said, no knowledge is forbidden, but some acts are. And so you also understand how Carl feels so betrayed and, and why at the end of this film he kind of leaves the order, which, spoiler alert, he leaves the order, um, which I enjoyed. I didn't see I didn't see them doing that in this first film. We actually talked said about that, that. We did, and I actually said I didn't see them uh, kind of having him turn during this film. And, and I still feel like they didn't. And when I said that, I was thinking more so having him turn and oh, be a part of this film. Mm. Um, but during the film, at the very end of the film, he uh, he does. And, and it's justified. Like, you can look at it, And this is the important thing when you're building potential antagonists down the path of the sort of future films. Are. You need to understand why. The person who trained him kind of, you know, betrayed him by, you know, saying you've got to do the right thing and then using dark power. And then kind of the up-and-coming, you know, the new person, Doctor Strange, goes and, you know, literally bends time and space for... Okay, to save the world, but he's still breaking kind of the laws of nature, which is essentially Carl Mordo's breaking point. Yeah, and also, I mean, Benedict Wong is very against this as well. You know, says that you, you don't mess with the natural order, um, which is, is very important in this very... The very final scene we get to here, which is the attack on Hong Kong. Uh, now, as we've said, uh, Benedict Wong is the, the master, he's the librarian, so he's in charge out there, man. Yeah. Um, and the bit I enjoyed about this last scene was when Doctor Strange goes through a portal and he gets there, it's too late. Mm. The you know, Cassilius has already destroyed the place, and we get a little bit more of this uh, mirror realm stuff. Yeah, here it is. This is where Doctor Strange starts to mess with nature, yeah. uh, and he uses the Eye of Agamatu to turn back time. Turn back time. Do you want me to get that and like put it in the podcast? It'd be on your browser history. Yeah, I'm, I'm not downloading that. I'm not. I'm not editing that into this podcast. You can just put up with Trent's wondrous singing. Uh, There's a reason why I'm doing a podcast and not like music. <laughs> so we we get there and the whole thing, whole place is destroyed. We get a, an absolutely decimated Hong Kong. Uh, and when I was watching this, for me, I kind of felt like this was a reverse uh, Superman Returns. So in that, that man, sorry, Man Man of Steel. Uh, where in the end of that, my issue was that everything got destroyed, just complete shameless destruction. This is the opposite, wherein it starts like that, and then he turns back time. It's impossible to say it without thinking the song now. Uh, and everything starts to, to right itself. So we have this final fight scene, where instead of everything getting destroyed, everything's getting fixed. And I kind of like that change up. As far as this film's concerned, visually, it has been spectacular. We've seen some of the yeah. best... We've we not haven't really talked about this. We thing. haven't really, uh, and we've spoken a little bit about some of the buildings going aside, and for me, I kind of enjoyed uh, when he kind of starts getting thrown through the magical space-time, and, and everything's just kind of weirded out, and it's kind of like this psychedelic trip. The effects the comics. have been fantastic, yeah. yeah, which is what we were hoping they yeah. would do. And yeah, this was this was another one, and it was a fairly simple effect. Yeah, everything just reversing, but it worked so well for this final fight. I I sort of mentioned my dislike for the fight scene in the middle. Yeah, 
I loved, I adored, I cherished this particular scene. I thought scene. you would have, yeah. It was just masterful storytelling in... And masterful choreography as well, because you sort of, you've got Doctor Strange and a couple of people kind of being brought into the current speed, all while Hong Kong itself is going backwards, and all this destruction, all these people flying everywhere, all this craziness is going backwards. So they were really smart in how they choreographed certain scenes, so that people were trying to sort of climb up, you know, ladders as they were falling apart and coming back together, and they were interacting with the environment as it was changing around, and people were sort of coming through. I would have loved to have sort of been a fly on the wall seeing how they planned this because it would have been very difficult to visualise and very difficult to execute. Mm. Uh, but the end result is just incredible. And you, you sort of mentioned the Man of Steel situation. I actually am one of those weird people who like what happened in Man of Steel. Uh, the fight scene went on for too long, but I thought the destruction made sense because it's two supermen fighting in the middle of a city. Mm. That's the thing. Zod wanted to kill everybody, mm. and that's kind of the point. But anyway, normally, like, this, to me, almost could have been another Marvel cop-out, everyone's A-OK at the end of it. But it wasn't because, again, it was executed so well. It's the same with the Mirror World concept. Yeah, it could have been a cop-out, but it was just done too well. It doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah, I feel like there was a... Wong earlier in the film said, you know, you don't mess with certain things, time being one of them. Uh, and so we see, you know, a bunch of debris kind of jump and move back to where it used to be. And we find Wong. Uh, obviously, during this fight, he's gone down. Doctor Strange turns to him and just says, you know, I know, I know, I'm, you know, don't mess with nature. Wong says, oh, don't stop now. You know, and, and I kind of enjoyed that. We, we start to see a little bit more of a, a friendship, a little bit more of the funny side of Wong. At the end. Yeah, Wong sort of comes into that friendship role as Mordo falls out of it. Yeah. He's kind of not replacing him, but pr- providing that kind of you know, sidekick role. And the three of them kind of represent sort of three different sides. You know, you've got Carl Mordo, who is sort of that lawful good. Uh, Wong's kind of, you shouldn't do this stuff, but you know, in these circumstances... Yeah, probably should. You kind of get the impression Stephen Strange's like, hey, I've got all this power, I'm going to turn back time whenever I feel like it kind of thing. Yeah. So you kind of, all the three of them play off each other quite well. Yeah. And then um, we sort of get to the, the finale that yeah, we've sort of talked about. And we go through the little bit that, that annoyed me. Literally, Stephen Strange hears the word time and goes, oh, right, I can turn back time. Or maybe I should do that. So he does. Uh, a lot. A lot, yeah. So, uh, and and I like I said, I didn't like how quickly he came to it. I really like how he ends up defeating mm. um, defeating him uh, which is he keeps flying in and just saying Dormammu I have a bargain for you and he runs in and Dormammu is like no and kills him and then Stephen Strange comes back and says I have a bargain for you and he gets killed again and yeah. this goes on for a little while until Dormammu is like what, what is happening here and Stephen Strange is like well I, either you're going to accept my bargain or I'm going to keep this loop going yeah. forever Dormammu is like well you're going to be like stuck in a loop of death, like dying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and this is kind of the thing that we, up to this point, Doctor Strange has been afraid of loss, yeah. of losing. Any situation where he could not win, he avoided. And now he's come into a situation where he is going to lose on purpose repeatedly and, and it works really well. It's, it's a good selfless sacrifice while still retaining that slight bit of arrogance about him. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a really clever way of sort of bringing it all together full circle. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was really good. And uh, eventually, obviously, Doctor Strange says, gets uh, Dormammu to, to pretty much give in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is the end. And this was the second part, the next part of why I, I disliked how they, they handled Cassilius. Because the way he gets destroyed is... Dormammu sucks him up but he's dead yeah which was part of the bargain yeah kind of said take those guys as well with you that'd be great thanks and 
Yeah, and, and it's hey, just... thanks, bye. He's gone, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was just a really quick dismissal of Caecilius, who... It probably deserved more than that, I felt. Yeah. Uh, it does kind of potentially mean he could come back, though. Like, yeah. I feel like Dormammu could be like, yeah, okay, I need you again. Go annoy Strange. Yeah, uh, you still continue to use him as a pawn. Yeah. Um, which I, would, I wouldn't mind. Like I said, I, I like the character. Yeah, he... It annoyed me it, he wasn't the bad guy of this film. As you said, like, it could... In, in the hands of another actor, it could have been... not a, Maybe not a boring character, but kind of just there. But... Mads played him understated, but it was still interesting. And it was purposefully understated in how he was sort of acting and stuff. So, yeah, well done. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him in Rogue One now as well. Mm. It kind of, yeah, it kind of got me a little bit more excited. That's going to be a good up. role, I yeah, suspect. Yeah, I think, I think it will be yeah. a good role for him. Yeah, we, That pretty much brings us to the end of um, We've just got really one more thing, which yeah. kind of ties Doctor Strange, well, apart from the after credit scene, which ties Doctor Strange in with the, the rest of the Marvel Universe, but... Uh, the very end, we find out that uh, the eye of, of uh, Agamanthu is actually an Infinity Stone. Mm. Um, uh, Doctor Strange puts it back, and Wong says, "Oh, you don't want to be walking around with an Infinity Stone on your chest." Ah, Marvel Cinematic Universe tied in, yeah, tied it all in. Um, yeah, I mean, I and the, uh, for those who, uh, visually, it was the green uh, Infinity mm. Stone, which I mean, I like that they were bringing them all into this um, slowly, and and I didn't mind that one because I didn't actually think of it until the end. And I was like, "All oh, right, yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense." That it turns back time; it's an Infinity Stone. Mm. You know, there's this green stone in the middle of it. Um, so obviously that's going to come into yeah. the Infinity Wars yeah. so I mean that pretty much brings us to the end of the movie uh, I think we both agree this was quite a good to great movie we've got it in our top threes for MCU movies yeah um, we're looking forward to the sequel thanks to uh, sort of that little end of uh, movie credit scene uh, with Carl Mordo kind of showing perhaps his true colours in that respect yeah um, and also potentially Doctor Strange in our Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, we, we got another one, uh, another little scene of uh, yeah Thor and, and Doctor Strange talking and kind of Doctor Strange saying, right, I'm going to help you find Loki. Uh, so yeah, we, I think we will see him in, in Infinity, uh, sorry, not, not Infinity, in uh, Ragnarok. We will see him in we Infinity, see him Wars, Infinity too, Wars for certain because uh, you know, he, he's already tied into it with the uh, the eye of, of uh, yeah. Agamathu. So. so I mean, yeah, good job MC uh, Marvel. You produced the best superhero movie of the year in our minds it was better than i was expecting that's yeah I, I went in hopeful this is probably as good as i was expecting it to be well no good as i was hoping it to be i thought it could have been sort of mishandled a little bit more than it was but they did pretty much everything i wanted it to do if they'd fixed up some of the fight scenes it really would have lifted it up in my eyes but that's yeah i mean the fight scenes were didn't really bring it down for me that slightly it, it's one of those middle ones. it's one yeah, of those things for it's me it's definitely a stickler for you yeah. uh, and, and I understand that it was something that annoyed me but didn't really ruin uh, for me it was really just uh, the only issue I had was um, playing off uh, Caecilius which mm. I mean you didn't find that uh, so it, it may have just been uh, my we both liked it my equally perspective. for different reasons yeah for different reasons yeah. there was a different part of this that uh, kind of stopped it from being incredible for us mm. and that was one yeah. little thing each but yeah, it still turned out pretty good. So that brings us to the end of Doctor Strange. Next week, we're jumping back into movies that are coming out. We're doing a preview episode for another magical movie. So next week, we're doing our uh, kind of trailer and, and uh, lead-up review preview of uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And yeah. I am so excited for this. Yeah. Uh, I am a massive Harry Potter fan uh, and enjoyed the films. So um, this looks good. I'm a massive Harry Potter fan and I enjoyed the books. 
Yes, but uh, this book was very, very short. Did you read the uh, Fantastic Beasts <laughs> and Fantastic Where to Find Them? So, uh, suck it with your whole I like books. I read more of them than you. Uh, so, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was actually released as uh, a very short book along with Quidditch Through the Ages. Uh, and it wasn't this this film at all. Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing is this film has been written by J.K. Rowling. It's the first mm. one. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes and we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it in depth, so we'll shut up about it for now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so if you like what you've heard, obviously keep following us. Uh, we'll be producing it next week as we always do. Follow us on Twitter at OneUpCulture. Follow all the articles and podcasts on the sort of WordPress page. Just Google OneUpCulture and you'll find it. Uh, so for Doctor Strange, I've been Trent. I have been Jareth. And that is game over.